Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast where I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. My non-random guest tonight, or today, whenever you're listening to this, is Georgia Dow. Georgia, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm very excited for you to be on. Tell the people how they might know you. Oh, they, they might not know me at all. <laughs> but they might. <laughs> they might. They do. But if they do, I, it might be from iMore. Um, I just recently was on Twitch, maybe from there. Oh. I don't know. I do a podcast called Isometric uh, Gaming. I do Total Party Kill every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, have you heard of that? I, I have. Oh, how intriguing. I, I find <laughs> the Dungeon Master to be oh, uh, oh, fantastic. You are. Oh, of course I remember that. <laughs> um, I will be bribing you well. Yes. Doing the podcast right now, and um, I also do some a podcast called Vector, mm-hmm. and I'm also a psychotherapist by day, um, and so <laughs> ooh. <laughs> the usual response. Everyone's like, "Okay, now I'm not going to speak." That's right. Now tell me about myself, George. Right. That's right. what I want to know. That's what the entire episode is going to be about. That's true. Yeah. Actually, the episode we're going to talk about, uh, which is I always. Uh, for some reason, think that people don't know what the episode is we're going to talk about, and then like I don't say it to surprise them. But right. then I realize, of course, they've downloaded this podcast, and the title is the title of the episode right. we're going to talk about, so they know exactly <laughs> what we're going to talk. And the, the previous the joke's episode, actually on you. <laughs> exactly, I say what the next episode is. So uh, is the gift Voyager season four, and it has some uh, some ethical quandaries in it that uh, may relate to your professional uh, area of expertise. Uh, so I think we were going to talk about that a little bit, I think. Uh, yeah. Not to put you on the spot. No, no, no. Uh, but the, that's for later. That's for, for later. For now, I want to ask you, and I don't know the answer. To, sometimes I know the answer to this question when I ask people. This time, I honestly have no idea. Uh, do you consider yourself a Star Trek fan? Yes, I am a Star Trek fan. Um, I'm, I'm quite a strong one. I, I actually love the um, original the best so that's going to be my second. My follow-up question is: What is yeah. your favorite series? Yes, I like the original, and then I like um, some episodes of the Next Generation, hmm. and then some episodes of Deep Space Nine, and then a few episodes of Voyager. <laughs> so I see you said some <laughs> for Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, yes. and you, you downgraded to a few for Voyager, or is that an a upgrade? Few for no, it's a it's a, a downgrade. It's a downgrade, yes. It's a downgrade. And uh, there's some episodes of um, The Next Generation, which I absolutely love, and I think that they're just magnificent episodes. But, you know, it's it's kind of a potpourri with some episodes that I find are, are relatively weak mm-hmm. and trying. And I will say it now, and you can send all of the uh, hate tweets to my uh, – or a friend of mine's Twitter address, so it's not me. Um, I don't. I'm not a great fan of Data. Oh. Like, there's certain characters that I have on, on, on the Next Generation and uh, Voyager that I just dislike greatly, and so that that's why it's so difficult to <laughs> like them because the episode may be completely centric on a character that I could just hope at some point gets wiped out, but doesn't. Let's explore this hatred. Uh, <laughs> of uh, I, I'm intrigued by. Your your dislike, we'll say dislike, of, of yes. Data, because yes. Data is um, often cited as one of people's favorite characters, not yes. even just on The Next Generation, but in Star Trek overall. I think it's, if you had to guess, uh, yeah. like, list favorite characters who aren't captains, I would think the top two would be Spock and Data. I, I'm, I'm so dismayed by that. <laughs> 
Um, though one of my favorite characters are, is Spock, um, but I just find that the, the manner in which Spock deals with humanity versus the way that Data deals with humanity, one is patronizing and redundant and I don't care versus Spock's I find intriguing and his own manner of grappling with it does not seem to be pushed or forced um, and it's not annoying. Is <laughs> <laughs> that too strong? No, no. Uh, I like it. I, I, I encourage this. And I can see how I think, especially in the early seasons of uh, The Next Generation, they were kind of like looking for, you know, they had this captain who was very different than yes. Kirk. Yes. Uh, and so they, they had uh, Riker, who was very similar to Kirk in many ways, to kind of offset oh, that. Oh, we could talk about uh, Riker for a whole day. Yes. <laughs> in a, in, so <laughs> how do you feel about Riker? This is uh, good or bad. Oh, Riker. 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 Riker <laughs> is almost not a character at all to me. He's completely non-interesting in almost every single last. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> yeah, I hate Star. Um I, I don't like him at all. I think it's it's brilliant the way that he walks a little bit with his head tilted to the side and, and so the Riker walk I think is is brilliantly funny. Uh but if his character was wiped out it wouldn't bother me either. Oh Wow, wow. we're we're just we're knocking Ooh. out characters left and right what? here. I'm yeah. intrigued. I want to continue this trend, but I want to stay on the next generation though. <laughs> I know. So so who who on the next generation do you like? Um, I like Picard oh, quite well. a lot, mm-hmm. um, and um, I didn't like Wesley Crusher. Well, um, I actually liked the and I forget her name, but I liked the old Doctor, the one that reminded me more like Bones. Oh, Pulaski! I fr- yes, I loved her. I absolutely adored her. And I know that I'm in the minority. <laughs> I have one season she was in, she was out. I know, but that, I you, found you might have her very liked intriguing. her though because she refused to call Data Data. She called him Data and always gave him a hard time. That <laughs> right. <laughs> I might be transferring my feelings of da- Data for for hers. I should call him Data now. That's right. And just uh, yeah, that might be why. <laughs> Well, this is this is Riker and Data. I would not have guessed that that. Well, Riker, I didn't have an intense dislike for him. I just um, he's kind of just like a swagger and a beard, and you've got Riker. That's all. Yeah, yeah. That's my 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 feeling of it. Did you like? Do you like Data? Uh, I do like Data. Uh, I wouldn't consider him one of. Well, I think he'd be in in the top ten Star Trek characters for me. Uh, huh. Just because you know he wants to be a real boy, he's uh, he doesn't quite fit in. Um, but I could also see how some people might find that kind of pandering because uh, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much, like Spock is wrestling with this thing, yeah. and it's not like his central characteristic. He has a lot of other things going on. Uh, with Data, it's kind of like right there. It's like, woo! I want to be. I'm Pinocchio. Uh, yes. I'm I'm the Ugh, the stand in for Make me a real boy. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I'm the stand in so, for the viewer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I and can I get like it. I, yeah. No. And I, I like characters that have um they have a, a dilemma, they're dealing with something. They they're they're characters that are both black and white and I think that I think that they went with the next generation with a crew that is really quite vanilla and I find that that is less interesting to see the interactions in between them. Yes, I can so understand, that's, and that's why Deep Space Nine has uh, is one of my favorite series, and they have a lot of, uh, at least I think, a lot of gray uh, characters in there. In that they have a mixture of black and white, uh, you know, personalities and things. Yes, um, yes, I I, I feel the the same way, and it's just it was just more the the episodes were much more interesting to mm-hmm. deal with. 
Yeah. But but sadly, we're not talking about Deep Space Nine. We're talking no. about Voyager. Right. Uh, so let's talk <laughs> about characters on Voyager, because you said that there are a bunch of characters you didn't like on Voyager as well. And as people who listen to this podcast know, I have a long list of characters on Voyager that I do not care for. So now oh, I want really? to ask you, and let's see if you get the right answer, who is the worst character on Voyager? Oh, the worst character on Voyager. This is um, not really going to be the easiest of things because there are a few <laughs> that, again, if they were wiped out. But um, I would have to give it. It's a. I would have to give it to Neelix. Uh, I will accept <laughs> that answer. <laughs> Do you? What is your? What is the character that you dislike the most on Voyager? Harry Kim. I can't say. You know Kim. what? He was. He's close up there. He's close up there for me. I don't know what it is about Harry Kim. He just he's annoys too vanilla. Me. There's he, there is no there's no he's he's like a pancake with only one side. It's just <laughs> that is true and not as delicious. It's like a, a disappointing <laughs> one sided pancake. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I'm not gonna. I'm not asking. I, I may have surreptitiously licked Harry Kim at some point. Oh. <laughs> uh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> There's a restraining order. I can't really talk. I'm not supposed to talk about right, it. Right, right, right. We, we want to make sure that this doesn't go into a, a full triple X rating on the show. Exactly. Right I don't want the explicit tag. So uh, right. we'll leave it at that. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna... a fan of Neelix either. He is super annoying. He uh, really is. And also, so they thought, hey, we've got Neelix. Why don't we have him have a super creepy relationship with Kess? That'll be cool, right? No. 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 There's just some ways. It's just No. <laughs> no, good. Neelix is just, he's too much of, like, he's just too much of everything. <laughs> I, I'll take Data over Neelix, really, I think. Oh, I think that that would not uh, be a bad choice, I believe. Yeah. I'd rather, yeah. if I had to spend time with one of these characters, and I had my choice with Data or, or Neelix, I, yeah. I would go with Data. Yeah, yeah, Neelix could, could cause people to, to jump off of things. It's not a good, he's just, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, you know. He's no good. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's no Harry Kim, though. Oh, that Harry Kim. Harry Kim uh, is just dull. He was just dull. I, I... He is. And he, he features in this episode very briefly. And I'm always pleased when Harry Kim gets injured. Uh, and <laughs> Seven of Nine slaps the hell out of Harry Kim in this right. episode. Right. Uh, in a very strange scene. But it was uh, such a it's such a strange scene. That's such a can we can why don't we mention that scene because it's just such a str- <laughs> or should we do it in order? No, we don't need to do it in order. Uh, we could t- <laughs> so this is like I think this is maybe the second episode that has Seven of Nine in it. Uh, yeah. So she's still you know I would say seventy mm, percent Borgified. Yeah. Uh, She's well on her way. By the end of the episode, she's pretty much seven of nine. They've done a yes. miraculous job of quickly deborgifying her. Yeah. Uh, which is also interesting. But so there's the <laughs> scene where she's in uh, a Jeffrey's tube with Harry Kim, and she finds this communications note, and she wants to talk to uh, her. Her communica- internal communications thing has been disabled, uh, so she wants to talk to the collective. She's not very thrilled with the fact that she has been uh, taken away from the collective. She wants to get in touch with them and say, hey, come pick me up. Yeah, uh, I'm all alone and scared, and these bad humans are keeping me away. Um. <laughs> but the the cutest part is that Harry's like during this part. So she's she was the enemy, the Borg. She was she's there. She's on the ship. She's all you know in full Borg regalia. And here he is trying to pick her up. Like he's <laughs> he's hitting on her. He is right away. Like the fresh person, and he sees her immediately. <laughs> fresh me, and she looks at him, and I'm like, it was just. It was off. Like, it was a little bit off. I was like, really? 
Yeah. And he, and, he, and, uh, he says, so uh, the Borg must meet a lot of people. <laughs> and that's, I think, why she was actually calling the Borg. She might not have if he wasn't trying to pick her up the entire time. I think that that was her escape route. Help, I'm trapped in a closet yeah. with Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, so, yeah, it's very awkward. He she's hits on her. She's clearly not – she she is not – I don't want to speak for Seven of Nine, uh, but I feel like – She's not at the point in her life where she's looking for romantic uh, interludes. Uh, no, and even if she were, yeah. Harry Kim is not really – she's out of his league. It's, I don't and it's mean, too soon. It's too soon. It is too soon. Harry, just uh, slow your roll, as yeah. the kids say. Yeah. Uh, uh, but sadly for him, his uh, attempts at seduction, which I w- uh, seduction is a strong word, uh, his attempts <laughs> to uh, um, maybe, you know, get a date, uh, go horribly awry when Seven of Nine basically slaps him across the face and uh, he is, like, hurled several feet into another security officer, uh, which knocks I found very... Knocks them both out. Knocks them both out. And then she kind of barricades herself in the Jeffrey's tube uh, in, yeah. in a very strange... So it was awkward. It was an awkward scene and an odd choice uh, on the part of the writers. And also, I found the physics questionable. Because <laughs> uh, she kind of just... She hardly even hits Harry Kim, and he, like, goes flying Yes. Uh, and then the other guy gets hit with uh, Harry Kim on the leg, and I have a hard time believing that would knock anyone out. Uh, but apparently yeah. he gets knocked out. He gets knocked out. <laughs> a lot of questions about this episode, I tell you. <laughs> uh, well, this episode is notable because it is, uh, I suppose, the first appearance of Seven of Nine as, you know, in her, her skin-tight Seven of Nine outfit. That uh, is a pretty fabulous outfit. I have to say... Um, when I when I was when I when I watched it originally, like when it actually first aired, um, I was sad that they got off all of the. I wish that they had a little bit more borgification for mm-hmm. her because uh, I thought it looked so cool. Um, like she was like the beginning of steampunk, right? <laughs> um, she needed a top hat and she'd be fine. Yeah, hey, and the boots. That's all she needed. Oh, yeah, um, but you know, I loved the fact that they they like she looked fabulous. They, she could have had some more tech on her. But I love the fact that they had the um, like the corset that had the the ribs in it, which mm-hmm. later on they get rid of, which is sad. But I thought that, that was awesome. I did not notice a corset. Uh, I was distracted by other things. But oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, right, let's just right. It, it was just, the, the the face pieces on her. I yes. get it. Uh, it is it is a, a skin tight outfit, uh, and uh, Jerry Ryan uh, is an attractive woman. I'm not going to say she isn't. She is. So, uh, and also, I I don't. I was when I remember Voyager when it first came out, and I heard that they were you know adding a, a Borg character, uh, and Jerry Ryan was going to play her. And then I saw the costume, and I thought, well, come on, uh, <laughs> you're just kind of you know once talking about pandering, you're just kind of pandering to to these fanboys, right? Because she's here's a sexy lady in a super sexy outfit, uh, but luckily. Uh, and I've said this before, I think that Jerry Ryan does a fantastic job as Seven of Nine. She's a great actress, uh, mm-hmm. and the character is fantastic. So I think yes. it is not just kind of like a, a lowest common denominator, let's you know, yeah. sex up the show. She's a great addition to the cast. Uh, and if you had to trade a cast for a Seven of Nine, that's a really good trade, I think. Oh, yes. Because yes, I, I think that almost anyone trading for, for Seven of Nine is a good... She's she. I think that you're absolutely right with the fact that you know, this is a character that was really highly sexualized. They they grew back her hair follicles just so that, for, just for that purpose. <laughs> That's true. Um, 
And I, I think that she did a great job of, of also making it a very serious character. I think that it was her acting mm-hmm. um, which really helped that cause to make it not just a single-dimensional character. Yes, because it could have been very easy for this character to just to slide into kind of uh, set dressing, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think anyone could argue that Seven of Nine was not an integral part of the cast and of the show. Uh, yes. And that Jerry Ryan is a big part of why that is and her, her great uh, talent for, for that character. Uh, yes. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, so I don't know if this is the height of her acting prowess or not. But if it is, that is no small accomplishment because I think she's done a, she does a, a fantastic job. Yeah, uh, amazing job. I have no idea what else she's been in. But uh, Trey Ryan, if you're listening, sorry I did not look at your IMDb. I'm sure you have a wonderful and varied career. Um, but yeah, well, she was, on, uh, she was on Boston Public, like which is... You know, something. <laughs> a TV show that was on. It's a TV show. I, I don't know if it, again, you know, ranking, but you know, she's done other things as well. But I, I think that everyone remembers her just yes, this is fabulous kind of outfit. Her, her, her uh, career-defining character. Uh, yeah. And I, hopefully she's happy about that. I don't know if she's <laughs> been stereotyped uh, or typecast as a sexy Borg lady, but... Uh, <laughs> it's a hard typecast to keep. <laughs> it's a very limited Not, window yeah. <laughs> of opportunities for that. Right, right. Uh, so I feel for her if that's her, her uh, that's happened to her. Right. This episode also notable because it is Kess's uh, last episode as a recurring character. She does come back uh, in a few episodes sprinkled about Voyager's next couple of seasons. Um, but this is her, her big exit and I have yeah. always found Kess's character to be perplexing. Uh, How perplexing? Tell me. I, I've never really understood why she is on Voyager, what she does. She's in. She's like, what, five years old because her race lives until they're nine and then they die. And I guess she has some kind of telepathic abilities that yeah. they briefly touch on. And she has a relationship with Neelix, which is weird. Um, mm, Neelix. Because he's Neelix and because she's like six years old. So even though that's fully mature for her species, it's still kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just creepy on so many levels. Yes. Yeah. And she doesn't have, she doesn't have much to do, right? She's just kind no. of like... And they didn't really utilize the fact when they started to give her like, you know, her kinetic abilities. They didn't really care to make it interesting in any really way, <laughs> shape, or form. No. But... And I guess they were trying with the relationship with Neelix to make it more interesting. But, I mean, you add Neelix to anything and that's not going to make it more interesting. So no. that's a problem. All, I wish that uh, the only thing that could have made this episode better is if Kess said, hey, Neelix, why don't you come with me? <laughs> and then they could have yeah. both left together. And, and they, they could have just both poofed. Exactly. And then the, I guess Neelix probably would have died since Kess transforms into some kind well, of... Well, even their breakup was strange. It was very strange. Yeah, they have this... They go to... Kess goes down to the, the galley to you know, catch up with Neelix and he has some champagne that he's saved for just such an occasion. Uh, and they have a little chat and, uh, Kess, uh, Neelix is trying to figure out what's going on with Kess and Kess is talking about how she's going through this change and her, her telepathic and psychokinetic powers are growing and she doesn't really understand what's going on, but she feels like for the first time in her life, she has a purpose and she's ordered. Uh, and Neelix is very quizzical about this whole thing. Uh, and then she looks at the table and she says, oh, I see other, you know, levels of reality. And the table starts uh, fluxing and Neelix is uh, rightly concerned. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, he's like, Kess, stop it. And Kess uh, yells, no, and then flings Neelix across the galley. 
uh, and then she's sad because she's hurt Neelix and she loves him. Yeah, and when they broke up, it wasn't like a serious like discussion, which I guess with Neelix is is normal. But he's like, "Oh, well, it was because of my cooking," and they really leave it at that. Right. Which, again, it's Neelix, and she's what six? I guess that would be a normal conversation at that age. But maybe you know, well. for, like they're in you know, and and as she's disappearing, he's not even there. I guess he didn't really care. <laughs> Um, well, he does say he loves her several times, but he does uh, – one guesses – one gets uh, the, 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 the drift that perhaps Neelix is not uh, capable of discussing uh, these kinds of things and uh, he's kind of repressing his true feelings and how upset he is. One imagines. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. Or, you know, the writers just didn't want to have more Neelix in this episode. That, uh, <laughs> well, that's a good call. I yeah, agree he, with them on that part. She goes off and he's not even there to say goodbye. No, um, she just, poof, that's it. The, their last interaction, I think, is her throwing him across the galley and then he's like, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, it's all right. Uh, and then <laughs> it's she's okay, like, I deserved it. Peace out. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm wearing pajamas. <laughs> you should have thrown me across the galley. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she's like, all right. Well, thanks for the champagne anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave now. That's right. Bye-bye, Neelix. Uh, see you. Wouldn't want to be you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this yeah. also has... One, I, overall, I should say I like this episode, uh, and not because of anything that we've talked about so far, really, uh, other than Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine and Janeway have a lot of great scenes together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But this also has some of the most annoying things in Star Trek, uh, which are guided meditation. Anytime guided meditation or lucid dreaming happens, uh, I get annoyed. Now, okay, tell uh, it was mildly annoying to me, but tell me, can I ask you why? Just because I'm well, a psychotherapist, so I'd like to know why guided meditation. <laughs> should, should I uh, should I lay meditation down? Meditation bothers you. Uh, well, it, it, the guided meditation as a concept does not bother me. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> as a plot tool, as a plot tool, whenever they do it, it's it, it's a red flag to me. Either lu- lucid dreaming. Uh, if Chakotay, it's a Chakotay episode, uh, yeah. and guided meditation if it's a Vulcan episode, uh, because it's like shorthand for spiritualism and uh, just kind of annoying. And then when they show it, like I've never been uh, guided in meditation, uh, so maybe I, I just am unfamiliar with it, but I feel like it doesn't happen the way they show it in this episode, which is Kess and uh, Tuvok, who is guiding her because he's Vulcan and that's what they do. Uh, are looking at a, a flame, uh, and the guided meditation seems to uh, be that they are sitting next to each other, and Tuvok tells her what to do. <laughs> you see, it's not. It, it did bother me. I bought. It bothers me because it was a, a quick way through some. It, they were trying to speed through a process that I don't think should have been sped through, mm-hmm. and so it bothered me because of that. And it bothered me because they didn't do guided in, uh, meditation what, properly. Right. Um, See, I suspected as much. Did you? Sus- <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. Like right. I said, I don't. I don't know if I ever go like to a, a psychotherapist or someone who does guided meditation. Right. If they'll just break out a Vulcan lamp and tell me to look into its subatomic right. structure. Though there's nothing know. wrong with using candles. There's absolutely nothing to have something to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was. I was a little bit offended. Again, this was a long time ago. When this episode came out. So. <laughs> Um, it was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. But yes, they didn't do any breathing, didn't do any self-control. But I thought that it, you know, if someone is showing these huge powers, that it probably would be a good idea to try to have her train them, restrain them, and be in control of herself. And so that did not bother me in and of itself, though they that they did not do <laughs> meditation properly was a little bit off for me. 
Well, I knew based on my uh, previous uh, watchings of Voyager, where generally where guided meditation and lucid dreaming come up the most, I knew whenever when they said that, I was like, oh boy, this is going to yeah. lead to a scene that is going to be awful. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And it did. It did. <laughs> the you were so right. It could have been worse. The only way it could have been worse is if on their way, Tuvok said, "Oh, let me get Chakotay so that we could also do some lucid dreaming." <laughs> uh, <laughs> To fully explore your powers. <laughs> right. Right. And then Chakotay right. would bring out some fake Native American stuff that the writers make up and that has no connection to actual Native American right. societies. Uh, and right. just get the And t- everyone's you know. cringing. And yeah. And everyone's like, why? And plus, it's like, so Kesk is attempting the idea here, the conceit, is that Kesk's powers are growing and she can't control them. Yes. Uh, and, and we are first tipped off to this because they are in sick bay. And uh, the doctor says, hey, Kes, get me this hypospray. And she uses the force to get the hypospray. And everyone's yes. like, what? But uh, we can't really explo- explore this because we're operating on 7 of 9. Right. So right. Tuvok is like, hey, let's go to my quarters and stare at a candle. Uh, and so yes. <laughs> that's what they do. Because he knows so much about psychokinetic Well, abilities. that was my other thing. Like, what makes uh, Tuvok, Tuvok the-, the expert on this? Sure, he can mind melt with people, but I've never seen Tuvok move anything with his mind or stare into another reality. No. No, uh, they just don't have any other characters. <laughs> that would be more nobody apropos else could to do help it, so. speed up her, her abilities so they can get rid of her. Exactly. And so, right. so Tuvok, basically Tuvok sits next to her as she explains what she does, uh, which is the point of this. It's an exposition Tuvok says, look into the subatomic uh, structure of the flame and make it brighter. So she does that uh, because apparently to learn how to do that, you just need to have Tuvok tell you to do it. Um, right, right. And then she says, oh, I can see something even deeper. And Tuvok's like, there's nothing below subatomic. And, right. But apparently there is some other thing that she does. And she looks at it and the candle goes all kind of wacky. Uh, and she degrades the whole integrity of Voyager. So she's a now she's a danger because right. she can do this. <laughs> she can. Tuva caused all of this. Is, That's right. Is, That's how good fault. he is at right. guided meditation. You shouldn't do this without a license. <laughs> That's right? years of training. Yes. Tuva has read like uh, a Wikipedia article about it, and he was like, "I'm good." He I'm saw one thing on YouTube and now <laughs> thinks he's an expert. Oh, Tuva. Tuva. <sighs> Uh, yeah, so I, I I found that very annoying, um, but I understood I understand why they did it, but it's still annoying. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> the entire cast scene, like the entire, it was just one. Is that it was like it, whatever your feelings are towards cast, but a character leaving, and I understood the juxtaposition between what was going through with Seven of Nine versus mm-hmm. what was going through with Cass, as they're both you know, talking about humanity and choice and, you know, being able to control what is going to be your choice in how you're going to exist. I liked that. But to have a character leaving the show and to be given such little time and with such little thought really going to it, it it felt so rushed to me that it was like, okay, we got to get rid of her now. Let's make her powers suddenly explode all the way through it. Let's find a way to speed it up. If we have a timetable, people. Exactly. And so, like, now, which seemed a little bit quick to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Kess, uh, but it does seem like, you know, kicking her off the ship, uh, not that they kicked her off the ship, but her leaving the show should probably not be the B plot 
of right. an episode. It should be a Kess episode, uh, which probably wouldn't have been very good. But at least she was on for you know three seasons, so give her a proper send off. Right, uh, right, in, and I'm, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that really loved and adored Kess. I don't know if that's true. But <laughs> 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 there are probably a few people that like Kess that are, are shaking their fists at uh, whatever they're listening to this on. I apologize, all you right. Kess lovers out there. I don't yes. hate Kess, but it's just like she didn't do anything for me, so. And when she right. got interesting, because now she has all these superpowers, uh, she has to leave the ship. So. Right, right, right. Well, I heard, actually, that it was going to be for ratings, and it was between her and Harry. Oh, uh, yes, I One of that. them. <laughs> One must go. And Cass I think lost they made out the wrong because choice. Harry made it to the top 50 most beautiful people. And yes, that's true. So, you know, Cass ended up being the uh, draw of the short straw. Poor Cass. If only she lips. was better looking. <laughs> Not that she's bad looking at all. She's, but yeah, and she's beautiful. But she is. Uh, I don't, I, wait, I, Harry Kim, I'm not a fan of Harry Kim, and I think that bleeds into the actor. Uh, so that colors my perspective on his uh, looks. Uh, but he's not a bad looking guy. I don't know if I put him on a list of 50 of the most beautiful people, but uh, people don't <laughs> consult me for these lists. So. Right, they didn't, they didn't ask you, did they? <laughs> no, they did not. They didn't even ask past Scott many years ago what he thought. I right. would have been very confused had I got a call <laughs> from uh, people <laughs> saying, we're putting together that list, and we were just wondering... Rank, uh, Scott, what is your thoughts? That's right. We need this before we go on. We cannot produce the magazine without this input. Uh, well. That did not happen. Uh, but yeah. so, so this episode is interesting because I think everything that doesn't work is the Kess parts. Right. <laughs> uh, which is sad because it is her last show. Uh, but everything that does work is the Seven of Nine parts, which are yes. the vast majority of the episode is dealing with Seven of Nine. Uh, yeah, and kind of yeah. welcoming her on, her on the ship, and this is where so you kind of you made uh, and I do like the Kess and Seven of Nine complementary kind of making choices and destiny. Who controls your your own, your fate? And that's what I I said in the beginning that I ha- I was gonna you know ask you in your professional capacity a question, uh, and it's because so Seven of Nine in the beginning of this episode she's still borgified right, and so uh, the Doctor. Uh, they've done something in the previous episode where her uh, human uh, immune system is now reactivated, basically, and it's rejecting the Borg implants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they need to get them out, remove them so that she doesn't die, uh, which mm-hmm. is good, one imagines. Uh, or, I suppose there are two choices, right? They do that or they, like, you know, give her a uh, communications channel so she can talk to the Borg and the Borg can come and reborgify her completely. Right. Uh, those are the choices. And Seven of Nine has made it clear that she is unhappy being on Voyager. She has no interest in being deborgified. Right. Uh, and she wants to go back to the collective. She says that very clearly. There's no, like, you can't think, well, maybe she meant something else. She, right. She's right. clearly stated. Did she stutter? No. No, she did not. <laughs> she's like, I'm unhappy. I want to go back. Right. And Captain Janeway is like, well, that is not what you really mean. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, um, I know what's best for you. Uh, I, I was watching this with my wife, and uh, at the scene where Janeway is like, well, uh, she lost the ability to make this choice because when she was assimilated by the Borg, they took away her humanity, so I'm going to make the choice for her. Uh, my wife turned to me and said, that's very paternalistic of Captain Janeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it totally is. Uh, but there's a great scene where, so uh, Seven of Nine is knocked out in sickbay, uh, and the doctor turns to the captain and says, Captain, 
there basically says there's an ethical dilemma here. I would never operate on a patient who told me they did not want the procedure, even if they were going to die, because that's, you know, part of the the, the code of ethics for, for doctors. I just right. can't do that. Uh, and Captain Janeway basically says, well, take out the implants, even though you know she doesn't want you to, to save her life. And he's like, okay. Right. <laughs> right. I think that it was nice when Janeway said, like, you know, like, we'll see, like, when, you know, mm. if I can tell that you are really of your own mind and you want to go back, then we can kind of see. Right. I was going to bring up that scene because I thought it was very good. Yeah. And and I, I you know, I, I don't know if I really believe Janeway. I don't think <laughs> I she was ever going either, back but... to the board. Um, but what had she, if she did want to go back, you know, is it... Is it fair to us to make choices for someone else, even if we know they're the wrong choices? Isn't that still your right to make the wrong choice? And they play this because uh, Janeway comes to talk to Kess and yes. say, you know, Kess is going to leave the ship because yeah. Kess is transforming and she's a danger. Uh, and Janeway is like, well, you can't leave the ship. Uh, and Kess is like, well, I'm, I'm still the same Kess. Nothing has changed. I'm not under duress. This is my choice. Uh, you're not going to, you know, you can't make this choice for me. Uh, and Janeway says, no, I can't make this choice for you, but I will argue with you. I will ask you to stay. I will do everything in my power to have you stay. Uh, and it is an interesting kind of a juxtaposition to what she's doing with Seven of Nine and kind of taking away that choice and making it for her because she knows what's best. Uh, yes. What yes. It, 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 I think that it would have been a, a more interesting episode. And, and I think that a lot of... Um, like, again, it's a sitcom, and, and they make, like, there could be very difficult ethical dilemmas, and they, they make take kind of the easy way out, mm -hmm. because that's less painful for the viewers. But I wonder if Kess was exactly the same thing. She had the risk of damaging the ship, and they had to send her out and far away from the ship against her will. Right, she wanted to Because she might damage it. That would have been very interesting to see how everyone would dealt with that situation. Just yes. my thoughts on it. I, I agree. I think that would have been a more powerful way to send Kess off. Also, it would have, you know, colored her, her, you know, farewell. And she's kind of making this personal sacrifice. And at the end, she does a very nice thing where uh, they're... So basically, the Voyagers, uh, this is after the season opener of season four, where uh, the Borg have attacked Voyager, and Voyager's in Borg space. And there's this big risk of when they're leaving, they want to get out of Borg space as fast as they can. But Borg, the Borg have a vast you know, uh, amount of space. It's going to take Voyager a long time to get out. Uh, right. So when Kess is leaving the ship, she kind of transforms into psychic energy or something. It's very unclear what happens. Uh, <laughs> but then she, she kind of says, it's my gift. And then she kind of swats Voyager away uh, and sends them off like uh, 95,000 light years in like two seconds. Uh, right. And gets them out of, you know, it's her, her in the episode of the, the title of the episode is the gift. And this is the, the titular uh, gift uh, of getting them closer to their uh, destination, which is home, uh, and getting them out of Borg space. And I was actually, I thought it was very, uh, a touching moment when uh, they, you know, Janeway's on the bridge and she says, turn on the viewer. And they're like, she's like, where the hell are we? Uh, and Tom Paris or somebody says, we're 95,000 light years away. And uh, Janeway's like, oh, she got us out of Borg space. And then there's this very kind of poignant pause. And she says, and 10 years closer to home. Yeah, and I just thought, yeah. wow, and that reminds you of the the powerful conceit of Voyager, right? Is that they're lost and they're trying trying to get trying home, trying to find their way home. Uh, yes, and it was a very powerful moment. I thought. I, I think it was a really powerful moment as well, and I loved it. And I, I, uh, 
teared up when I when I saw it, even when I saw it again, because I'm really emotional. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I teared up as well. Oh, we well, see. <laughs> and I have very little emotions. I suppress them. I was raised <laughs> Roman like Catholic. The they were like, Scott, that's why. Exactly. You like seven so much. It's true. Um, but I thought to myself, it, it, that made it so easy. You know, yes. here, um, Seven of Nine had to pay no price for sending a message to the Borg. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have it been intriguing if, you know, they they were always, um, you know, under that constant threat that the Borg may find them and how do they get away would have been, I think, fascinating. Right, and then it would have made And then it... she would have to pay the price of because it was her right. that had called them. Mm-hmm. And then she would. There would be this dilemma of you know her old kind of buddies, the collective, yeah. uh, versus her new buddies, the the, yeah. the scrappy crew of the Voyager. And right. who does she choose? Exactly. Uh, but they kind of and it, they just went oh, okay. Yeah, There's no. There it. was no cost to it. No. Which I I found uh, sad. And then we end the episode with, uh, you know, she, she reveals her costume <laughs> and her, her high heels. Was she wearing high heel boots of some kind? I couldn't. I didn't look at the boots, actually. Oh, so what were you looking at? You were looking it at the was, corset. Uh, for me, it was the I said before, it was the very cool, like, corset waist piece that had mm-hmm. the ribs in it. I was like, that's awesome. I, I don't know what other people were, were looking at, but I thought <laughs> well, that that was amazing. Um, you know, and... We find and, out the doctor has apparently designed this costume. Well, you know, he's a smart doc. Um, and, and I thought that was great. I loved Janeway. I have to say that Janeway in this episode was fabulous. Mm-hmm. I thought that her acting, I loved that she showed um, strength of being a captain and also humanity. And her interaction with Kess was absolutely beautiful. And her, you know, trusting Seven of Nine. I think they trusted her way too early. Yes. You know, makes me question the entire crew of the Voyager. <laughs> there are many <laughs> moments. Immediately, that... <laughs> let's now let her, you know, mess with the things that they, they already tried to break beforehand. But I love Janeway in this. I thought that she was absolutely amazing. And I think that uh, Janeway is trusting also because of the, the circumstance that they're in, right? They, there are few people on Voyager and there's lots of stuff that needs to be done. And the Borg have basically assimilated a lot of Voyager. And now they have a kind of friendly Borg who can help them. So you have to trust her a little bit and hope that she doesn't uh, screw you over. Maybe uh, not in two episodes. Well, though. that's true. You Maybe give it three episodes, see <laughs> right. if she behaves. Because she did, in the first time you trusted her, she did uh, send a signal to the Borg. So that's not good. Right. Although, so on the plus side, that. she slapped Harry Kim. So, you know. That's a positive. It all evens out, I think. <laughs> the good, the bad. Uh, and then we end with, uh, I don't know if this is the the ending or not, but uh, the doctor says that he uh, took the liberty of uh, growing her hair for her. <laughs> right, uh, right. Which was a, a vicarious pleasure for him. Uh, right. <laughs> which was funny and creepy at the same time. Kind of my favorite thing. <laughs> right. Uh, um, but right. it's the doctor. He's a hologram. So. He's a hologram still, no? Like, he's just, he could have, he could just get hair if he wanted it anyways but he can't uh and also he and seven of nine in the coming seasons have a wonderful relationship together so yes uh, i like i like the doctor yes i like the doctor see oh he he is not uh he doesn't have the scorn of data no uh doctor no, no. doctor gets a thumbs up janeway gets a thumbs up seven of nine gets a thumbs up uh who let's go through the rest of who the else? wait let me uh, harry <laughs> let kim me harry kim thumbs down thumbs down uh, Neelix, obviously, thumbs down. Oh, uh, Chicote. Uh, just Chakotay. a, a, a I, meh. 
Eh, neither. <laughs> he's not a very interesting character. He's not. Uh, who else? Is Tom Powers. Belana Torres. Oh, yes. There, there are a couple. To- well, not in this season, but they will be. So, uh, Belana Torres, thumbs up, thumbs down? No, I, I think that she's overplayed. I think oh. that she tried the harshness. It was too much, and mm-hmm. I was like, no. <laughs> I didn't too, like her. Too much Klingon. Bring it, it down a it little was, bit. It, I think a lot of women, when they especially during during this period of time when they played uh, they wanted to play strong characters they overdid it i think that that's why i love janeway so much mm-hmm. kate mulgrew played the character with empathy and strength and i think that that's what made it such a believable character whereas blana torres went so far into klingon that i was like no 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 thank you Belana. no uh how about her beau tom paris i like tom i i liked him I, he's not memorable, really, to me. I don't know I any forgot of his... he was uh, a character, so... Yeah, yeah. I actually was hoping that his character would have been the character that they played from Next Generation when he was on. Oh, right, yes. And uh, I was hoping that that would be... It would be him. At some point, we were going to find out that, you know, he had escaped from and he had stolen a starship and gotten <laughs> there and then they'd taken him. But they never did. They never did that. Uh, <coughs> a waste. In our fan fiction that we will produce. That's right. what happens. But, that would uh, happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and we can kill Data as well. <laughs> uh, yes. That jerk. Yeah. What do you think of Tuvok? Uh, oh, I, I forgot Tuvok was a Did character. Did you forget? How could you? <laughs> uh, which is sad for Tuvok uh, because I, I, for some reason, I, I like Tuvok. I don't know why. <laughs> right. Uh, he doesn't really do much generally, uh, but I like him. And he, he, the actor, Tim Russ, showed up on an episode of Castle, uh, not playing Tuvok. But the, the second he showed up, I yelled out, Tuvok! <laughs> uh, which I'm sure he does not like, but <laughs> I'm sorry, Tuvok. That's just the way it is. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, I, he's okay. I, I, you know. Once again, he doesn't do much. So. He's, he's, I don't have the same feelings for him that I have for Spock. Well, no. He's he's I and I you know again who who could outdo Spock but it's hard yeah but it, no meh, no I mean all the kind of main character Vulcans so which are not very many so Tuvok and T'Pol uh, they are all pale imitations of Spock yes uh, and it's a hard act to follow so you know uh, Leonard Nimoy uh, defined what it is to be a Vulcan and the rest yes. of them are just kind of trying to play facets of it yeah yeah. Though I liked it when he says, uh, she says, uh, I could tell, you know, that, you know, uh, you know, how by the <laughs> expression on your face and Tuvok replies in the episode, I have no expression on my face. <laughs> yes. But he's very expressive for Vulcan, so. <laughs> it's true. He has a few good lines. Uh, yeah. And he uh, mentions uh, something to the doctor about, you know, oh, maybe she's having a reaction to something. And the doctor says, oh, that's a good guess for a security officer. Right, uh, right, and then right. And the doctor says, oh, maybe you should put a force field around this thing. And uh, Tuvok says, in deadpan, as everything Tuvok says is, uh, that's good advice for a doctor. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I thought that was good. Yes, touche. Oh, Tuvok. I can't (laughs) get one past him. No, no, (laughs) no. And uh, the other thing that I just want to mention, I might be going over the time, so I'm sorry, I apologize, but is the uh, interesting how, you know, Janeway replaces Cass so easily (laughs) as a daughter figure, (laughs) you know. With with Seven of Nine, so much so that in the end she gives up Chakotay to Seven of Nine. And it, there's no even issue with infighting with them. It's just, oh, okay. That's it. 
because there is that scene where Chakotay and Janeway, they're in the little hut living mm-hmm. together. Yeah. They're a thing. And then yeah, suddenly true. seven of nine. The, the universe was so vanilla that even that, <laughs> no one was even going to. And maybe it was because it was Chakotay. No one was going to fight over him. Well, you know, Chakotay. I don't know. Eh, he's a fine character, but uh, not worth fighting over. I guess not. Unless he's lucid dreaming. <laughs> and then you should just punch him because right. no good comes out of uh, Chakotay lucid dreaming. <laughs> well, Georgia, we have reached the end of our time. Uh, but before we go, what did you think of the episode overall? I, I Overall, I thought that it was a really good episode. I liked it. I liked the interplay that they had. I thought that, that some of the acting was, uh, besides Neelix, was absolutely <laughs> fabulous. And it's one of the episodes that are memorable for Voyager, and I think that they it did change the series, and she was a fabulous addition. What, what did you think? Uh, I People who listen to this uh, podcast know that I am not a huge fan of Voyager in general. I am a huge fan of uh, Kate Mulgrew and mm-hmm. Captain Janeway and of yeah. Seven of Nine. Uh, and I thought this episode was great. Uh, I feel like the Kess parts kind of dragged it down, mm-hmm. uh, but they had to get rid of Kess and they had to <laughs> do something. So right. I understand it. Uh, and they did the best. I thought it was interesting to kind of mirror the two stories and how they interplayed together. Uh, and so I thought it was really good. So thumbs up from me. Thumbs up for the gift. That's right. And thumbs up to you, Georgia. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. On the next Random Trek, Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 24, Shakar.